writing is creating, mm-hmm. editing is recreating. So mm. when you sit down to write, you're brain dumping, you're figuring things out as you go. Maybe you have an okay. outline, maybe you don't, but like writing is thinking, right? So the best ideas come to you as you're writing, usually for me anyway. Half the time I'm like, oh, I had no idea I was going to say that before I said it. And I, I just kind of went. Hello, hello, beautiful people. Uh, thanks for tuning into the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. I'm your host, Sharath. Today, I have a very ex- exciting guest. I usually tell that whenever I invite guests, because all of them are pretty exciting and I admire, like, you know, uh, the folks, the work they do and the impact they create on other folks. And especially this guest is highly recommended by one of our previous guests, Amanda. Uh, so I'm excited to like dive a little deeper into a lot of uh, interesting topics that Gen Z and like millennials like me crave for, which is content creation. So before uh, wasting a lot of your time, let's get into the episode. Let me welcome Erika Schneider. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Feeling great. Thanks for having me. I thought you were about to say that I was a Gen Z and I was going to be like, wait a second. I am definitely a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> and for folks who are watching, this is completely not planned. Erica and I, we are just wearing white tees. Like, no, no planning, but we definitely look like, you know. Uh, we don't hate it though. Like, different... it works. I think it works. Yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> and we're definitely looking like siblings from different mothers. So, <laughs> uh, Erica. Uh, let me actually, for folks who are listening, let me give you guys like a brief intro of Erica for folks who don't know. She's a content creator. She's a mom of twins, which is amazing. Uh, she's she's building this thing called Power Your Flat Platform, which is more of like a newsletter that educates about branding, positioning, monetizing with her business partner, Casey Jones. She also uh, works as a head of content at Grizzle, a growth agency. And man, she's she's a she creates high quality content. And one thing I really love about you, Erica, is that, which is kind of, now that I've kind of researched on you or your profile and your work, as content creators, we probably give 10% or like less than that on editing, crafting, like rewriting. We just like, I think at least to me, I can speak for myself. Whatever thought that comes to me when I just like, okay, tweet it out and or like create, right? So I think that's one thing I really want to learn from you and hopefully like audience listeners can also seek that. Okay. Before, before we start, like right off the bat, I have this question. So I saw on your LinkedIn that you were a teacher, English teacher. So, and you, you jumped literally from teaching kids to writing content. And how did that happen? Like, what was that transition look like? And reflecting back, how much of your work right now you're doing have like a like unconnected, unconnected dots that you look backwards being a teacher? Oh, it's so very connected. Um, I've jumped around. Like before I was a teacher, I was a catering director at a fast food chain mm-hmm. in Boston. And then I was a technical project manager at a rewards app. So um, mm. then... I left the country to teach. So I didn't like get an education in teaching, Um, but I did go to Thailand and complete a TEFL course, which stands for teaching English as a foreign language. Um, Mm. And in that course, because you're teaching English to people that where it's not their first language, they really like hone in on the fact that you cannot use more words than it takes to get your idea across. Like don't get up in front of a class that doesn't understand your natural language and ramble at them to make a point. It's going to, they're just not going to get it. So however you can make the point in as few words as possible, do it. Um, And it's, it is fascinating because I had no idea how much that advice would ring true when it came to content marketing and content writing, but it's not that you have to use less words, which I can get into because I don't, editing is certainly not just a cutting exercise, but mm-hmm. you have to make sure that every single word that you use is meant to be there. If it doesn't need to be there, don't have it there. And the same goes for ideas. Have you repeated this idea already? Have you said this in a similar way too close to this? So does it add friction? Like, is this going to break flow? Um, so, but yeah, I mean, teaching, 
in Thailand was incredibly rewarding and it was never going to be a full term like life choice mm. though it was always going to be an experience that was going to move me somewhere um and to be honest i just loved relearning the grammatical side of the english language so when i first got into writing as a professional writer because i've been mm. writing in, in in school and in as a hobby my whole life um, but I actually got into it to edit. Like I wanted to edit. I didn't want to be a writer. Um, and I would still say I'm an editor first and a writer second. Um, but the two are so intermingled. They're so intermingled. Mm. You can't have a good editor that's not a good writer. So, yeah. Talk to me about a little bit about both personas. I usually think, and I think most of the most of the people think that they both are the same, right? Like you you kind of like have an un, like throw it out on your paper about what your ideas or the things that you're thought think about like the thoughts and later you kind of like cut it out make it crisp and then like you know you release i feel is that is that at least people like me i'm not trained as a or i didn't go to college or school to like you know about yeah. writing that's generally the process right you you're talking about something like different being a yeah. writer versus being a writer. So talk to me about the different personas. Um... Okay. So this is how I, I describe it that I think makes the most sense. Writing is creating. Mm -hmm. Editing is recreating. So mm. when you sit down to write, you're brain dumping, you're figuring things out as you go. Maybe you have an okay. outline, maybe you don't, but like writing is thinking, right? So the best ideas come to you as you're writing, usually for me anyway, half the time I'm like, oh, I had no idea I was going to say that before I said it. And I, I just kind of went there. Mm -hmm. Editing is looking at it from less of a creative lens, at least to start and more of an analytical lens. Okay. I've had this like creative brain dump. Mm. Analytically, does it flow? Does it make sense? Like, does it make sense to have this paragraph here? or actually structurally based on the goal of this and the person that I know I'm speaking to, would it make more sense to set a bit of context here and like really put it here? Like, so to get specific, um, usually when, when we're writing, we're poking some sort of a pain point and then kind of being like, Hey, like, here's how you solve that. There's mm. a bunch of different ways to flow into a pain point. You can start with it right away. Like, you know, everybody sucks at this or, you can sort of give more context, like, you know, this thing is hard. Um, a lot of people, you know, try and then fail. As a result, everybody kind of sucks when it comes down to it. Or you can just start with like, everybody sucks at this, blah, blah, blah. So the, the way that you introduce ideas is mm. called structure. And the way that you structurally present that is a big part of editing. Um, and I also think a lot of people don't understand that editing is more than copy editing. So there's different types of editing. There's right. what I was just talking about is like, it's called developmental or structural editing. And mm -hmm. that's when you're looking at a whole puzzle and you're like, are all the pieces in the right place? And then copy editing is actually looking at like maybe a, a corner of the puzzle and being like, are these actually like, are they placed incorrectly? Can I push it harder? Like, is this piece really fit or does it kind of actually, does this piece belong here? Um, mm. So it, it's, you, you're looking at the whole piece and then copy editing is where it's like everyone on on writing Twitter, those those posts that and I've done this too, where you're like, change your words from in order to to to. And it's, you know, mm. like cut out these words like that's like the most basic copy editing. And that's kind of all I ever see on social media when it comes to editing advice. But it's much more of an analytical exercise. And then when you're done with that, you can go back into creative mode and make sure that it's like really all there and it feels good and flows and all that but yeah it's creative and, and then analytical and how it's it's more of like uh if you if we take movies as an analogy right like the directors they do this uncut version and editors they come in and they chop a little bit of scenes and probably like you know do their magic and make it seamless i think that's what it applies to writing as well the same uh ethos yeah. probably Absolutely. and uh to, to your point, I feel, uh, how do writers become editors? And I'm not talking about like editors becoming writers because I think, you know, that's a separate topic. 
But since we are more people like people want to write more, I want to write more personally. Uh, how can we switch hats and like the analytical side? How we can uh, move from one way of creative mind to analytical mind? Is there a, is there a process that you form for yourself that you want to share? So first, you have to practice self editing, and I don't know if you edit or not, but. The idea of editing, just to make it super clear, it is not to stop you from ever posting. Mm. It's more important to post. Like you need to post so that you can experiment sure. and get analytics and then, you know, edit. But I also think it's important to try to build an, an editing habit, small steps at a time. So there's checklists that you can follow. Um, but really, I think the best thing to do is learn maybe one to two things that you could edit at a time and just focus on those or else you'll be super overwhelmed. So for mm. example, you can say this week, I'm going to focus on making sure that I change the verb to be in my posts to something that's more of a power verb. And the mm. reason why I want to do that is because um, power verbs are better at like emotional resonance and the verb to be is sort of indirect and indistinct. Um, mm. So you could just focus on that. Suddenly after a week, like you're really good at that, you can check that off your list. Then next week, okay, this week I'm going to focus on cutting redundancy out of my posts. So I'm going to make sure I'm not repeating the same word too often. I'm going to make sure if I set an idea, I'm not unnecessarily repeating it later unless, unless it's intentional. And just do mm. one thing at a time. And then eventually, it, there's no like magic secret sauce to like how long it takes. Eventually, you just sort of start to naturally notice these things easier. It takes less mm. time and you feel more confident. It's really and all it is. Put, yeah, when you put this analytical mind, uh, do you think it will uh, disturb the creativity, for example, or uh, I wouldn't say spoil, but the essence is that is that like essence adding or essence removing? Like, how much of that editor plays a role in 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 the raw ideas, you know, going out? So it comes in at different times. You never want to write and edit at the same time, but your editor can be there when you're strategizing. So forming a strategy for like the topics you want to write about or the specific way that you want to present something, like if you're going to outline something and the editor mindset should be there, that part should be both creative and analytical. But when you sit down to actually write, like kick your editor out of the room, they're not allowed. You're just mm. creating, like it's supposed to be bad and raw and like, no, it's not supposed to feel like anyone's looking over your shoulder. Like everybody sucks at their first draft. <laughs> Even good writers suck at their first draft. Um, and it depends on the day. Sometimes I sit down on my first draft and I absolutely kill it. Some days I sit down and I'm like, what did I just write? It's horrible. It's absolutely <laughs> horrible. But at least I started, you know, um, then take some time. So a lot of people suggest that you should take at least 12 hours away. It, I don't care how long you take away. Sometimes I only step away, refill my water bottle and come back and edit. Like however long you need to just leave the room and come back as a different mindset, do that. And where do where do people stumble, creators, when when in this during this process? Uh, for me, uh, the most important piece is a start somewhere, and b push it out, like publish it out, ship it out, right? Because if if neither of that happens, you're basically like you know, you're wasting time. So between A to B, uh, where do you think, where do content creators, they stumble, they fail, or like they kind of like spend too much time? And how, how do you uh, advise people like, like that set? Yeah, so I think people fail because they, get, they don't know where to start with editing. So <clears throat> they kind of look at something and they get panicked. Like, I don't know if this is good or bad. So then mm. they just either don't edit and ship or don't ship in lieu of like feeling like they can't edit. So both of those places are not great, but obviously you would want to choose the one where you just ship and say, fuck it. Um, <laughs> but again, like I think it comes, the, the anxiety comes from not understanding. So hmm. if you don't understand what you're meant to look for, it's going to be the most overwhelming thing in the entire world. So I would say take some time to look at like really basic editing checklists and techniques, which I've written about before, and I can certainly send you mm -hmm. to add to these show notes. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're someone who's a perfectionist or you struggle with that, set a timer, like give yourself, mm. give yourself five minutes, 
to just to look it over if that's all that you want to give yourself. Slowly, you can add more to that if you want to, but set a timer when you're done, you're done and you have to post and that's it. And how do you, how do you, um, it's kind of, editing is more of like iterating in, in different phases, right? Like you craft, you make it better the next time, like you said, add power webs and like, you know, something like that sort. Where is the end? Like, where's like, okay, let me put like a, like a hard stop here or let, let, let this thing get out. Someone, it feels good enough. It's never over but it's done when it feels good enough. And that's why until you get that confidence of like, I think this feels good enough, which takes time. You right. just have to set a timer and be like, I'm done. Um, mm. Because the second you hit post, trust me, you're going to reread it and think of something else you could have edited. Every time. <laughs> it still happens to me every time. That's why optimization exists. Uh, and why, you know, CMSs have a lovely edit button so you can optimize your blog posts. Unfortunately on social, what's out there is out there. But fortunately, it has a short shelf life, so no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Right? That's the thing. And uh, one of the things in your in your, one of your posts, you talk about writing with authority. Uh, <laughs> and do you have like a set of principles that you want to share with us about, especially like how do you how do you start? Everybody when they start, they lack authority, right? Like until unless you're probably like, you know, uh, if it's a skill that naturally come to you and how do you gradually increase that authority and, you know, go to a stage where like you can dominate it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that takes time obviously, mm -hmm. but, um, <clears throat> there's certain ways that you can phrase things to sound more authoritative. So for example, you can, fake authority by literally just using active voice instead of passive voice and removing mm. um, wishy-washy statements like, um, you know, really what you should do is this. Like, no, just say, do this. Um, like you can sort of see in the tiny little words that people choose uh, uncertainty or a lack of confidence. Um, but that example, there's always like an, it depends because if you're intentionally being neutral, then you wouldn't want to do that. But most of the time on social, as opposed to like on a business blog, you want to be really direct. You want to be authoritative in your word choice. Um, how to feel authoritative, that takes time. Um, but, but really what it all comes down to is showing up as yourself and bringing your opinion to something. So the way that you stand out on social, well, anywhere, but really on social, is to have an opinion and feel passionate about something because that will come through. So say you're a brand new freelance writer and you're mm -hmm. trying to write about something like you can't lean on the fact that you've written X amount of posts, this many words, you've been in the game for this long, but you can say, you know, like, um, I, uh, I looked at this website and like read their blogs. And if I were to write them, like I'd probably restructure it like this and here's why. Okay. I don't know who you are, but you've got my attention. Like you're mm -hmm. taking a stance on something uh, and you're targeting your ideal client, likely. So there's ways that you can get people's attention, even if you don't have the quote unquote experience for it. And then of course, like little things like word choice, which again, come down to like knowing what to look for, time and confidence, which takes time. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, and also I think uh, with the time as well as, uh, the the quality also changes and you can see that over time because you know uh day one like you said all some most of the drafts are like shitty by default <laughs> so accepting that fact that it'll be shitty in the first uh few days you know it'll make our lives easy and that's a great point too and uh you briefly said about writing on social many times you know in this conversation how is it different from any other writing I don't want to touch on writing books probably like, you know, that's for, that's a very long process, lengthy process. Writing on social versus writing probably weekly once like for a newsletter or um, documenting their journey, for example. How is that? Yeah. So get like, so you need to have zero click content wherever you go, wherever you go. And I know Amanda Natividad um, yeah. coined that term, which is, it's just a perfect term. A lot mm -hmm. of it depends on your brand and your, your brand voice. So 
um, certain brands are like really authoritative and want to have a very authoritative presence. So it depends. Um, there's a difference between a brand brand and a personal brand or what I call a personal platform. Um, people have more leeway to be opinionated than brands a lot of the time. So on social, if you're building a personal platform, even if you're representing a company, you can be a little bit more opinionated than maybe the company blog would be. So like mm. at Grizzle, uh, most of the blogs that we write and that I edit are, they're authoritative in nature, but you have to be careful. Like you can't make super declarative statements about the state of things unless you can back it up with a stat, with a fact, like with your own um, story, customer testimonials, case studies, whatever. Um, but that person that maybe founded the brand can go on social and say, I believe this, I believe this strongly. Um, and then it's, it's more obvious that this is an opinion of a person rather than a, an opinion of a brand. So that's a little bit different. And then again, with newsletters, it depends. Like if the brand's writing it, it's going to be different than if a person is writing it. But when mm. it comes to a person writing a blog, showing up on social, email, um, there really shouldn't be too many variations in how it comes across. It's just a variation in, in how long it is and how the content is structured, presented. Mm, I love that. I think the uh, the continuity is really important, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's not like you sound different on on a 280 character tweet versus you sound different on a on a big ass long you know long form article. Yeah, uh, you've edited over three million plus words, right? Mm -hmm. It's 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 not a it's quite a feat. In your experience, uh, is there a variety of writings you saw that people write? tactically versus philosophically versus like, I mean, I'm just throwing it out right now, but you must, is there a way, can you bucket them? And uh, what is the most popular one that, that, that gets people's attention? Which medium are we talking about? Let's talk, let's talk about social, even we are talking okay. about like Twitter, LinkedIn type of things. And probably like we can transition into long form, like newsletters and substack yeah. articles. So. Okay, so there's, you have to approach this from a mindset of the fact that like, whatever gets the most likes and engagement doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the thing that gets you the most leads and therefore make money. Mm. Um, so the quote, the quotes, the posts that get the most likes, and the most engagement are how to posts or how I posts. So they're experiential based and they're teaching something and it's usually really simple. So I call that obvious content and it's something mm. that, you know, like the back of your hand, but you five years ago would have absolutely loved to hear it in like the simplest format because <laughs> it was going to unlock something for you. Mm. Um, so, you know, how to um, do keyword research in like 10 steps or yeah. how to write a, like a hook that's guaranteed to go viral, like whatever that is, like that shit performs really, really well on social. Um, mm. but it's very top of funnel, very, um, you know, capturing probably like an unaware audience. Um, if you want to actually get your target audience's attention and like get them interested in buying something, that's going to be more experience based, um, opinionated thought mm. leadership e content. So, um, you know, I, I did this thing just now with this client and they ended up getting these results. Like this one thing that I, that we did in the, in the beginning of the process, like tweaked everything or something, um, right. more storytelling, more storytelling. And what about the long form? Do you think, is there a difference between the short form versus long form? It depends on your goal. So like the how to content again, like for long form works really well for, SEO awareness plays. Um, but if you want to, like, if you have, if you're trying to capture the attention of the C-suite, for example, and you're like a B2B agency going after enterprises, like the how-to stuff isn't going to really resonate with them. You need to do more thought leadership stuff hmm. um, where you're really taking an opinion on something or you're explaining, like you're really poking a pain point and then explaining your version of like the solution and how that should work and what that should look like. So again, like that might not, rank is high, although it certainly can. 
um, and it might not drive as much traffic to your site, but it might get in the right inbox, which is really what you want. Yeah, which is like very specific niche. You basically are targeting right on bat. You yeah. so talk to me or expand the concept of thought leadership. How to become one, and especially in this day of age where attention is so limited, and uh, everybody's trying to inspire others, irrespective mm-hmm. of regardless of they have experience or not, or uh, at least thought leadership becoming kind of like a template in my opinion that everybody wants to wear the hat mm-hmm. but in reality very few have lived that experience or being very intentional of being a thought leadership so how do you how do you advise for people who are genuinely like hey i i don't know where to start but i want to become at the some point like five years ten years down the line i want to like kind of write with authority at the same time be like a thought leader in this in startups or you know in SaaS or like marketing, whatever. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to be thought leader and so many people hate the term now because it's so overused, sort of like storytelling, which drives me crazy. Everyone wants to be a storyteller, you know? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would say like spend a lot of time getting really good at something or like getting really opinionated about something because really what thought leadership is, is leading thoughts on something. You can't Mm. lead thoughts on something if you're not like, really in in the weeds in it um so i mean i can only think of like a few true in my mind thought leaders um in the spaces that i follow and it's because they talk about the same thing over and over again but they always seem to have like the way that they approach it and say something is like oh shit like that's fascinating Mm. or like oh like they're thinking about it um i mean rand fishkin is like yeah you know, like he's, him, he's, yeah. but he's been in this forever and he's right. thinking about things like 10 different ways than anyone else's because he's got like right. this, you know, these years of like this knowledge just in here so he can like play with the ideas. Um, right. It just takes time. Like you're not going to be a thought leader right away. Hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't really intend to be like an editing thought leader when I started, but I'm happy to, that I've think a lot of people see me that way because it's not like I'm saying anything that new or different. I'm just saying it a lot out loud. And I have a very, very strong opinion about like what people say about it. And if I agree or disagree, so get opinionated is really the first step. Yeah. I think opinionated number one, I feel the other thing, uh, consistently talking the same thing and repeat yourself again and again. Yeah. Because that's something, uh, so many people give up. They they just open up an opinion or on an idea, put it out, and they think that they expect other people to consume. I feel that you know if you're if you're if you have like an exact opinion, I think you should you should like have like a megaphone and really like broadcast so many times so that it it kind of digests for others. So uh, it's a great point too, and. Let's let's switch gears a little bit about uh, and talk about uh, Grizzle. So, head of content, like, what's your day to day look like? And uh, if you if you want to give some advice for people who want to make a career in writing, especially on content, uh, I'm not talking about people who write for Substack. That's probably like their hobby, their passion. But who wants to really like make a buck out of their skill? And climb the ladder uh what advice do you give and how's your day-to-day look like yeah so i mean the advice i would give is that the difference between a content writer and a content marketer is thinking like a strategist Mm -hmm. so you have to start to understand like why is why is this client that i'm writing for choosing this topic um is this an seo play if it is how are they planning on standing out what's their angle if it's not what's the point is mm-hmm. it to, you know, something to do with converting trial to paid users? Maybe is it not an acquisition attention mm-hmm. play? Is it more of like a retention play? You have to think about that because a, a good content um, uh, stream, like a, a good content process will be um, strategic and hopefully documented. So mm. you can't just, nobody that's good at this is just creating content for no reason. 
Um, so start to think. And if you aren't sure, you can ask. I mean, people generally should feel fine sharing that information. We share that information in our briefs that we give to writers so they have everything. Um, and if they need clarification, they can ask. Um, and then, yeah, just get really good at making sure that what you end up writing hits those goals. So like consistently refer back to the brief when you're writing, don't just get lost in the creative process and then forget to check your work against the brief. Um, mm -hmm. And to answer your question, like that's most of what I do at the moment. So there's like strategy involved, but then there's coming in as like the content marketing editor, you know, and I've got my team and we are making sure that the content actually not only aligns with the brief, but aligns with the client preferences, the content guidelines. Um, and then, you know, after a few months, is it doing the job that it was meant to do or do we need to shift strategy a bit? Like, should we stay completely focused on SEO or is it good to diversify and also like do a whole social content strategy um, or email or whatever it is? And how much of the data part is helping you become a better writer and how do you look at data? I, I don't want to talk about vanity metrics. That's all like signal to me. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I don't even know. I don't even like do like a quick analysis on a post why it went viral. There is like no logic for it, but it, there are like millions of people consuming it. But on the other side, the, the quantitative data, how is it helping the quality of the, of, of any writer's work? Like, how do you think it helps and where do you, people should look at data? I mean, if it's resonating with your target audience or not, are they talking about it? Is it being shared? Um, are they asking you follow-up questions? You know, like what's happening in the communities that you're trying to impact is what you're doing having an impact. Because, yeah, a lot of it is vanity metrics, especially in social. Like mm -hmm. so many people are obsessed with going viral. Like who cares? Who absolutely who cares? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. awareness is really nice and it feels good and it's a nice ego boost, but um, it can also have a negative effect. You can get a lot of people interested in you for the wrong reasons. And then you have mm -hmm. to like reset and be like, actually, this is what I'm about. Um, so the data is obviously important. Um, and especially with SEO, it's not ranking. Like there's very certain specific steps that you can take when you're optimizing it. Mm. But in terms of social, like <laughs> are, how much are people talking about it really everywhere? That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah, I think the signal too, right? I mean, not a vanity metric signal, but people giving shout outs, the, signal of like social proof can be like a signal that people can pick on the data side. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about your, I think I can call it like a side project for your platform newsletter uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Keely and Casey. Talk to me about like, why did you start and how do you even have time? <laughs> you are a mom of twins. You write on social. You are, you have a, pretty hectic job i would say head of content is not a like you know laid back job on top of like you're doing this newsletter uh how do you write how do you keep up what's what, why did you do this in the first place so first of all i have a business partner casey jones which is the only way that i get this done because she is brilliant and handles like all of the back end stuff so that i don't have to um mm. but I'm doing it because I'm really, really passionate about helping people become better writers in every mm -hmm. medium. Um, but my expertise up, up until now is mostly long form content and then posting on social. And so, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of fell in love with posting on social. I hated it when I first started. I feel like <laughs> everyone hates it at first because you've no, like, right. nobody knows who you are and you're just talking to yourself for a while. Um, right. But once it works, then um, I absolutely love the community that I've been able to build there. So I'm really focused on helping people do the same thing and get that like same good feeling that I have from it. Um, and so that's why I'm going in on that. Like I do what I do at Grizzle and I'm helping writers write better long form. So I wanted to do something for myself with Casey um, where we can help people just in, a, in, in the other part of what I love about showing up online. And that could evolve, might, might end up going beyond social because I'm having a lot of fun writing the newsletter, but I'm by no means a newsletter 
writing expert yet, but I'm having tons of fun. Um, and the other answer is like, I mean, I've been writing for so many years that it doesn't take me that long to write anymore. Mm. It doesn't take me very long to write social posts. It doesn't take, it never takes me more than an hour to write the newsletter. Um, so I can just sort of do it. And then obviously I need a minute to edit it, but it's, it's not like if I was doing all this as a new writer that, you know, cause I, mm. I was, I used to be so much, so much slower. And you said about making it work or what is that? Like you saw the social post, the post you're doing, it's working. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you advise people or like, I'm asking this for myself, how to make it work on social? <laughs> well, okay. This is going to be like very, um, non actionable, but like step mm-hmm. one, have a lot of fun. Like I, I truly have a good time there and I don't treat it like work and I don't treat it like something I have to do. I treat it like something I want to do. So every day when I log into social, for me, it's like, it's a fun, like creative zone. Like, what am Mm. I going to say today and how am I going to say it? I don't, I don't um, schedule my content and I don't write it ahead of time, which is a little bit crazy. Casey is the opposite. Casey Mm. schedules everything. She writes everything ahead of time. Um, I don't do that. I might why, need to. Why, the, why, why not? Why not? Because, because I find it, I find it fun to not know and just like look at the box and 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 it makes me more creative, I guess. Mm. Um, and w- were you were you in a position where like, damn, I, I wish I had. For example, you're having dinner or you're feeding your twins. You know, at least to me, some of some of the ideas I get are. When I do very non-obvious things, which are like non-creative, like doing dishes or like mm-hmm. folding clothes, I have, I don't know why some random ideas come to mind, especially like writing pieces. And I quickly type up on notes or whatever it is, the app. Uh, at that time, I wish like there is like a, like a personal assistant to me <laughs> walking with me, like, okay, I have this idea. Can you tweet it out? So you can like sometimes be very present like how you do I, I used to do that like I, I mean I'm a mix of everything I sometimes schedule and I sometimes like tweet whatever the things that come to my mind uh, I do see your point because the freshness of the thought that goes out that excites me forget about like who who is consuming it oh my god this is like a like a thought that came to my mind and I am actually converting into bytes which is which is like a word, like on a post, right? It's a, it's, it's somewhere right now. So that excites me. And were you ever like, think about, uh, you know what, this thought is, this thought can be good for the next day. And how do you, how do you just like as a writer, when you get these blast of ideas, how do you manage in your mind? Yeah. So I, I literally just use the notes app on my iPhone. Um, and I write things down. Sometimes I'll even be watching TV. I watch a lot of true crime and sometimes a detective will say something and I'm like, Ooh, and I just write it down. Um, I never write in my notes with the intention of like, I'm going to go post this right now. Um, I usually let myself think about it for at least five to 10 minutes. I don't usually write it right away. Although I have done Mm. that a few times and one of them went mega viral. I don't know if you saw my ridiculously mega viral post making fun of bros. Um, But I did that once and that was just hilarious that it went viral. But um, most of the time I write it down and then I'll look at it later. And if it still resonates, then I'll do something with it. The other day Mm -hmm. I was just scrolling through my notes and I ended up making a post out of something, a quote I wrote down over a year ago. So I I never really Mm -hmm. know when I'm going to come back to it, but I know that I, I know something resonated with me. So I write it down. Um, How do you manage the... I hate the word competition, but say there is, there are like a set of people when you're on, especially on social, you have that peer pressure. Again, peer, it's, it, I mean, if you let it be, it, then it becomes peer pressure. But for example, people write. And sometimes I get into the trap, which is, man, I had like a similar thought, but I didn't tweet it or like I didn't post it. Uh, I just let it go. Right. And those moments where you felt like you would be that person right like to convey the idea not getting 
the likes of that i'm not talking about that but it's so cool like you know if someone actually thinks the way you think and you see the same sort of similar post so how do you keep up with that competition or you know for lack of a better word keeping up with your peers i always see this as an opportunity to leave an amazing comment because mm. i i know that even if i agree with someone i can agree with them but still stand out with my own opinion on it i do that all the time if i see something i absolutely love i'll comment it i saw something the other day on linkedin someone wrote this whole post that i completely agreed with except for one word choice that they made so i mm. commented and i was like i absolutely love this i feel the exact same way except i would change self deprecating to self aware because whatever i said and it got so many likes just from that mm. so you always like you can always say something different that shows you um mm. so that's my way but also like i don't care about the competition like i don't see people as competition i of think the more so. people that are out there helping people like write better on social the better because there's so many terrible clickbaity like horrible posts out there that like <laughs> we could all use a bit more help um yeah. and yeah i actually read something this morning somewhere about um i don't know if you know brian dean he he's got yeah. like um a huge presence he just sold backlinko to semrush and there was some quote about how like he just never cared about the competition and like yes you have to you have to know who's around and um if you have a business you have to do your competitive you know yeah. matrix and all that stuff but i don't care like i just i'm i'm me i'm showing up as me um mm. and that kind of takes like takes the competition away because no one else is you right so for me that's the difference between building a personal brand and building what i call a personal platform like when you're building a personal platform you're centering yourself it doesn't mean that you have to share like all of these uh personal things like i have very strict boundaries on social like people don't get to know certain things about me but i still kind of try to let my personality shine through every time um and when you're building a personal brand it just to me that word makes me feel like something about it is inauthentic or manufactured so mm. yeah you can't have competition no one else is you mm. yeah of course you you're you're you and i feel i wish more people rely on that versus you know falling into the trap of hey how would i compare with you know other people's work oh it's so with. easy and we all have imposter syndrome too all of us right. yeah so for sure yeah so I, this is my personal opinion to create great content you have to consume great content so that mm -hmm. you get these ideas you get inspired from other people other people's work and the way they think can actually ignite the way you think sometimes right mm -hmm. and i kind of straight out steal i mean steal or copy noval ravikant for example the way he writes the one liners they're like so crisp punchy and you know powerful right i used to like write a lot of <laughs> similar like ideas once i read i i must i mean I, i'm sure like people ask you a lot of editorial or writing frameworks i want to ask the opposite how is your consuming frameworks look like how do you consume content is it daily weekly is there a structure for it um, was it's hard so like personally i don't really have a structure because i'm in content all the time i have no choice but to read a lot of content for my job especially at grizzle like mm. if i'm editing something i better be on the serps reading every other thing about this um mm. or i need to be on quora reading everything about that so um i'm always involved in content but personally yes i mean i have people that i follow because i believe that they're always putting out quality content and i want to see what they're thinking and how they're presenting it so yes that definitely seeps into your subconscious um mm. and it influences your medium and like how you write and that that evolves over time for sure um my yeah. my something that i just always warn people about is a lot of people give tips you know like oh hand copy this person or you know try to emulate them Yes, that can be helpful. But think about playing a guitar. So you learn to play the guitar. Most of the time you're going to start by learning someone else's songs, right? Like that's the easiest mm -hmm. way of to course. know that if like if you're good or not. But if you decide to actually go on stage and you want to be serious about it, maybe you'll start as a cover band, but like 
you're eventually going to need to write your own songs if you want to get any recognition. So it's mm -hmm. the same thing. Like, you can really easily tell on social, like, who's a cover band and who's a creator. Mm. And there is a difference. So just be careful. Because even though we all kind of start by playing someone else's songs, like, you need to write your own songs if you want to get recognized as a musician. I feel that's a tweet right there. <laughs> Amazing. You should, probably, you should probably tweet this out after this. You know, I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the analogy. You know, it's so true. I feel you should not settle for being a cover band, even though you start as a cover band. You should not settle. You should push yourself to actually create, like you know, something out of it. You get that's a that's a great way of putting things. A uh, little bit like off as a mom. How do you like, what's your, what does your day-to-day -day look like being managing twins versus work versus creating content? How does, so how much kid, of the, how, how much of the inspiration comes from them? Um, I mean, I would say they actually, they've like squashed my creative inspiration a little bit because <laughs> there's such a handful and I'm exhausted. Um, but no, so my kids live in three wake windows at the moment and they have two naps. So from 6 to 9 a.m. I'm with them. I'm not on my phone or I try not to be. Um, mm. And then they sleep until 11. And then um, I get to work. And then my wife is actually the primary um, caregiver at the moment. Mm. But because there's two of them, we have like, oh. we live near my family, luckily, and we have a nanny that comes twice a week. So everyone else comes and helps for those second two wake windows, except at five o'clock. I put everything down and I go and I like get them bathed and do bedtime and all that stuff. So I'm with them in the very beginning of the day, the very end of the day. And then like, obviously throughout the day, if I want to stop and see them, cause I'm, everything I do is asynchronous. I'm not like on a schedule. Um, but I am not the primary care caregiver. There's absolutely no way that I could do this if I was the primary caregiver. So yeah, and that's where we have to shout out. You have to give shout out to our partners, you know, for being there and for, for everybody like, you know, who helps us to do, to give us the opportunity to do what we do on a day to day basis. So yeah, shout out to like moms, all the parents, like everybody, like caretakers, caregivers, like all of the nannies, like even, so my, my two year old goes to uh, daycare and I intentionally go out of my way to appreciate them because if he's with us, that's it. I can't, yeah. I can't have this call because he'll be like roaming around my chair, like, you know, back and forth. So yeah. I, I think I, I, and at the same time, I also feel bad because, you know, he's, he's not with me for the major majority of the day. And I, that actually gave me an idea. I don't know, probably I think you can use it too. I do this, no phones after 5 PM period, like till the end of like, you know, they go to yeah. like bed. That's like the best because, you know, no distraction, like straight is giving attention to them, uh, what they need, but yeah, I try I to do admire, the same like, thing. you know, yeah, I love that, you know, uh, you're managing everything. Uh, but yeah. So one of the things I want to also ask about is the editing habits or the writing habits, right? How much, or talk to him about like your writing habits, uh, or the flow you like, do you write in the morning, in the middle of the day? When, when do you get into the flow? All the time or, or never. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm definitely not one of those, um, wake up at five, wake up at 4am, you know, right till seven. And like, I've had this like blissful flow that doesn't happen. Um, I, again, like when writing is your job, you kind of don't have a choice. So you have to manufacture flow the best you can. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the time that just comes with like, you know, the, the um, task blocking, I think, or time blocking, whatever it's called, where you, whatever this one's called, I can't remember all the different names, but you start with your really shallow tasks and you like check emails or like respond to comments and then sort of like warm your brain up. And then when you move into the deep work, um, you close all distractions and you're like just focused on that. Um, sometimes I have like a writing warm up I do where I'm just mm. literally typing anything that comes to mind to just warm up my fingers and like get the flow from my brain to my fingers moving. Um, but it can be really difficult. Like there's some days where it just doesn't happen and you're just like, I'm not thinking straight today and you, you just literally can't do it. So 
you do your best um, and you realize maybe I'll just get something horrible out of my head and I'll, I'll have to spend an extra hour or two editing this later. Right. Or you just walk away and you do something else until you feel like you can sit down and focus. Hmm. I love that. But I, yeah, I don't, I'm not someone who's like, oh, I work better in the morning or I work better at night. Also, I have no choice anymore. Like I, I have to just work in like the hours that I'm given when I'm not with my kids. So I better make it work. Right. Nice. Uh, one of the things that you also, like I saw one of your tweets uh, yesterday about you're kind of moving away from building a personal time and you want to talk more about personal platform. Talk to me about it. Like, why 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 that pivot and what are you observing these days that that made you talk more about building a platform versus brand yeah so i just feel like there's a shift happening um i mean especially everybody knows the stats you know especially in b2b people want to buy from people not brands like people want to sure. buy from brands that feel like they have aligned values um uh customer service matters more than ever like personalizing mm -hmm. matters more than ever so that's a shift in general, but there's just been a shift on social, at least in the past two years that I've been there, where it seems like people are over, um, you know, the faceless bro accounts that just all say the same thing. Um, mm. Or um, there's that's that's one side of it. Or um, the feeling that you have to kind of like manufacture this brand of yourself to be online. It feels very... Um, cringy like kind of fake kind of weird like okay so i know that i run my own business but like i'm not a brand i'm a person um like yes there's people that are my competition in business but like we're also all just kind of people like it just it feels weird so um when you shift it to personal platform you're kind of taking the power away from the platforms like you're the platform you're building your own stage like you're 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 choosing to be in control of your presence online as opposed mm. to creating like this uh brand story around yourself like you can just be you your personality can be in the post naturally it kind of helps to melt away that imposter syndrome as well like how am i supposed to be online like who do i like want to come across as like no you're you it's more about like, how do I, like, what do I want to talk about and how do I want to structure that? Less like, how do I want to be online? So it kind of takes that pressure off. Yeah, I like that. I think, I think it's, it relies more on the authenticity piece more than anything, right? Like, uh, talk to your mind I and mean, speak, speak from your mind and be very genuine the way you communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that. Yeah. And yeah, so I do this thing, fun thing called rapid fire five. I just like ask five random questions, like, you okay. know, just some, something fun. So let's do that. Like, what are the things comes to your mind? Like, you know, take it out. Uh, mm -hmm. Any, do you want to, if you want to give like a shout out to a creator that, that like, okay, he, he or she writes like amazing content. Who would that be? I mean, off the top of my head, it's Caitlin Borgoyne. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Borgoyne. She runs um, Why We Buy, and she's actually what yes. someone would consider potentially a competitor of mine, but I don't see her like that because she's fucking brilliant, and I absolutely love her content. Um, yeah, she's she's joining the podcast somewhere in September, so I'm working right. with her to find it. Yeah, she's amazing. She's great, yeah. And if you were to give three tips for people to uh, get people's attention, what would they be, especially on social? Okay. Um, be specific, don't be general. So, um, for example, if you have edited 3 million words, say it. Don't say I've edited many words. Mm. Um, you need to uh, build emotional resonance. And in order to do that, like people stop when they feel like uh, something in their emotions. Oh, like that's interesting. Or like, shit, someone said it. Or I didn't realize I was messing that up. So um, you want to use power words and like really speak to those pain points. And um, also you need to build curiosity. So you need to get people to click see more. So however you can do that on whatever, whichever platform on LinkedIn, it's like the first three lines on Twitter, it changes, you know, they're mm -hmm. changing their algorithm all the time. But um, right. you want to get, you need to make people think, I better, I better click into this or else I'll miss something. You need to build that curiosity. What's in here? Um, so mm -hmm. don't give it all away in the top. Like the hook is meant to hook them. And then mm. you need to get them to click see more. I love that. 
do you have like a favorite tweet or a LinkedIn post or a, a Twitter thread that that's like all-time favorite of yours that you want to like, okay, this is how people should write on social? Oh, it depends. Oh, it's so that's so hard. It depends. Um, it depends because things are changing too. So like okay. my favorite, my favorite thread, um, that comes to mind right away is probably Casey's, my business partner, her thread about being attacked by a dog, um, and wow. how she survived it. It's really intense. Um, wow. it's really personal. It has okay. absolutely nothing to do with her business or getting clients or anything. But when people think of her, they think of this tweet and um, it's helped her like connect with people in all these am mm. amazing ways. Um, so yeah, if you go to Casey, it's a better Jones is her hook, uh, her handle. And it's like her top tweet. tweet it's probably. insane. I don't know if yeah. it's pinned, but it's, I think it's probably gotten more likes than anything else that she's written. Yeah. We'll, we'll, it's really include, that. we'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so you write a lot, of mm -hmm. course. You know, no brainer. <laughs> you write, of course, in analogies too, and you, you've kind of dropped many in this episode too. Uh, what's your favorite way to convert an idea to an analogy? And what's your favorite analogy, just like you know, in general? I mean, it's hard to explain because it's it just kind of it happens in the creative process, um, and they happen. Or let, most... or let me ask you this: How did yeah. you? How did you? uh converted an idea before like what was your favorite analogy that you so far produced <laughs> that's a better way oh. to the question i mean i'm gonna have to choose a joke i made instead of an analogy because i think it's funny and okay. I, it helps me have fun online so i haven't made a joke in a while but I, I used to make jokes all the time um so this was kind of like a dad joke and it went um why are marketers terrible at walking dogs okay so why? you say why? Yeah, yeah uh, sure. because they struggle to hold on to leads. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I didn't expect a word. <laughs> I was I was expecting something about a dog, and you know something like public yeah. clients or something like that, but <laughs> not the leads. Leads. Yeah. I love that. Okay, last question. Uh, you you said you read a lot to your kids. Any any recommendations of a good storybook for parents like me? Um, so they don't understand. They don't understand anything yet. Um, but there is this book that we're reading. Um, it's really short. We're we're on like the short books that are like hard, so they can like eat the pages and it doesn't ruin the book. Like those are the mm -hmm. books that we're on right now. Oh, what is the title? It's something about like the story of like something who done it. And okay. it is like a tiny mole. Um, not a, what is it called? A mole, a mole rat, maybe a mole rat. And mole rat, okay. it woke up and it had this gigantic pile of poop on its head. Oh my. <laughs> and he spends the day going around to all the different animals on the farm being like, who pooped on my head? <laughs> and like in 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 so doing all of the animals are like that's not me like my poop looks like this and so oh like, my god then, uh, it, it ends it, with him finding out who it was and then like getting retaliation it's hilarious um <laughs> i didn't know that that was what that book was about when i started reading it to them because people just gifted us like a whole bunch of books um yeah. but by the end i was like this is the funniest book i have ever read <laughs> Um, and I'm going to read it to them every day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, I'll definitely look into it. it. It seems like a fun, fun way I'll to find end the, night. I'll, I'll find it for you. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, hilarious. For sure. I think, so I, we read it to Ruhan too, my, my two-year-old. And we read this book called Good Night, Good Night Construction Site. And <laughs> he loves trucks, the cars and everything. Now he's at a stage where he's actually reciting the whole book to us. We just flip the uh -oh. pages. It's like reading while just looking at the, the photos. I mean, the that's picture. That's awesome. So, yeah, for folks like, you know, who wants to do, that's another recommendation. But uh, Erica, this has been like a blast. Like I learned a ton about editing. And one thing I, I'm taking away from this conversation is better pay attention to editing equally or even more 
than what you write. I feel the refining part is really important. I do refine, but I feel like not in a structural way, like you said, you know, how to use, how to change the words, how to change the, you know, shorter it, like, you know, lengthen the lengthen based on this emotion that we want to express. So, uh, thanks again, like, you know, appreciate all the tips and anything that you want to say, or, you know, before we wrap up. Just, uh, I mean, have fun on social, like, fuck the competition, have a good time, be yourself. You are your strongest differentiator. And yeah, yeah. like prioritize self-editing, take it slow. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You're not going to get it right, right away, but like, trust me, it's going to pay off in the future. So awesome. Yeah, that's it. Have fun guys. I think, you know, that's the best thing you can control and that that's the best thing you can do, right? You can control yeah. the results or the outcomes. Uh, Again, thank you, Erica, and thanks for everybody for tuning in. This is, uh, you know, we're we're having amazing guests like Erica for the rest of rest of the year. Actually, as a matter of fact, I have booked, I mean, not booked, but at least have fifteen plus guests in the pipeline. So I'm very stoked to have this, you know, amazing conversations and bring it to you. So uh, that's it for now. But stay tuned for more episodes. Cheers, folks. Bye.